ladies and gents. Welcome to episode 40 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. Joining me in the virtual awesomeness that is the parlour that is definitely filled with real cakes and real teas and maybe some booze, I don't know, is the absolutely delightful... <laughs> he just did a really weird, like, very bassy noise. I hope it was like a cake-based longing sound. It was a cake-based purr. Oh, good. Okay. Ooh, purr. I like a good purr. Uh, anyway, that voice was John Paul Beauvais. Hello. Hello. I don't wave at you. I always do that and nobody can see. Oh, I saluted you, so... I like it. Top tits. You might remember John Paul from episode something. What number was it? Uh, last year's birthday thing? It was February last year. I don't know. That was a long time ago. Check it out if you want to hear us rambling about other things. We talked a lot about the Ninja Turtles, if I remember correctly. I believe we did, yes. Yeah, because you've worked on it and also they're fantastic. Both are true. Both of those facts are measurably true. Yep. I'm so, I'm really sorry if I sound distracted, but it's just got like super hot in this bedroom, but I can't open the window because there's a motorway in my back garden. <laughs> and like all you would hear is... <laughs> and stuff which would be really irritating so i'm just gonna sweat to death i think if that's okay that's that's fine by me <laughs> may not be may not be fine by you oh dear um so for those of you that didn't listen to my birthday episode last year which is pretty rude go and do it like not right now or actually right now if you want to you can pause this it's a podcast it's not like it's gonna stop no we cease to exist if we press pause <laughs> I kind of like the idea that, you know, like Toy Story style, that, that somebody just pauses a podcast and we just stop moving entirely. Yeah, we just mumble amongst ourselves until they come back. Yeah, yeah, smoke a cigarette. No, we won't do that. Um, you're a colourist slash writer person? Yes. Yes. I, I, no, I don't write slash. Well, well, actually, that's a lie. That I was going to say, is yeah. that true, though? Is it? <laughs> I bet you do. I'd actually, I'd be just get like, no, I don't want to think about what kind of slash you might. I, I have taught, I have joked a lot about writing slash fiction um, for other people's amusement. I, I just, I just want to have Captain Kirk heaved as he nestled into Spock's bosom. <laughs> you know, the sort of things that I expect to read on that. Uh, Do you know what I love about slash fiction? Not that I've read it. <clears throat> is no. is the many different words people can come up with for penis? Yeah. <laughs> Also, the many different misspellings as well. Yeah. The, the one thing I love about slash fiction is the fact that it's not peer-reviewed in any way to have <laughs> anything spelt right. Um, <laughs> oh. I have to send you a link to an amazing video. Oh, dear. Um, uh, which uh, I don't know if this will get attached to the show notes or not, which is an introduction to fanfiction.net which is maybe my favourite thing in the entire universe. <laughs> I was um, scared about what kind of video you were about to send me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah, it's it's clean. Don't worry, it's clean. Okay. I'm frightened now still. I am, um, I, back in my college days, which was actually quite a while ago, let's not think about that. I, I did media studies as an A-level and I was doing a project on like, people faffing about with existing you know franchises and things uh -huh. and, and that's pretty much when i discovered the wonderful world of slash and um there was one i used to well i say i used to be i am a massive massive fan of the anime vision of escaflone i don't know if you've seen it or i have not oh, it sounds amazing it's one of my favorite things ever because it's actually like 
You know, one of those things that's so terrible, it's fantastic. Yeah. Because uh, the animation's actually great, and the overall storyline is wonderful. But like the the dialogue and the the like mini subplots and things just fucking tat. But but I absolutely love it. It's like one of my favourite things ever. Uh, that's when I discovered Escaflone uh, slash fiction, mm. and there was one story where somebody. Somebody had clearly been through it and just changed all the different words for penis just to member. And all of a sudden, nice. the word member just lost all of its meaning to me. Uh, and just any time anyone said it, I'd titter like a schoolgirl. Like, <laughs> member. I have a friend who seems to find all these and then sends me links to them. But I, I did that. My the weirdest piece of slash fiction that I've ever read, and I've not read a lot, but I seem to have read what I would describe as the finest is one where, I, I don't know if I discussed this with you before, but it's where, <laughs> ho- where Hogwarts is sexually violated by a giant octopus. The castle itself? The, the castle itself, a, a giant octopus basically sticks its tentacles through the windows of Hogwarts as it tries to resist. Um, and it basically describes the, the violation of a building by a giant octopus. I, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> I, I can't even conceive the mind that thought, hey, I know it's hot. I don't. I can't. I just like. Do you know what? There's nothing sexier is it, than an old castle. Oh my god! And then I just. I don't. It's. I, and the thing is, I don't know if it's a joke or not. But I don't know what worries me more that it is or that it isn't. I don't. I'm pretty um, sure that there's a, a, a slash fiction type series almost that's just the exploits of. Um, is it Lance, one of the members of NSYNC? <laughs> Just doing it to all sorts of characters from Harry Potter and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. And it's just like Lance Bass fucking around the world kind of situation. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Anyway, this isn't what you came here to talk about. <laughs> I, th- I think it very much is. I think you and, you and I both know this is why I'm here. I'm here to launch my latest fan fiction, uh, which is the Starship Enterprise having sex with Alf. Um <laughs> I don't know how it works, but I'm sure whatever's written will be beautiful. I genuinely got frightened once about E.T. slash fiction. Because you know a lot of people are going to go for that light-up finger, but I find E.T. to be one of the uh, genuinely most terrifying things I've ever seen in my life. Do you? Yeah, hate him. I'm really scared of him. Like, turns away from the telly when even an advert comes on, kind of scared. Wow. Yeah, he's such a... Oh, just see, I, I, hope, I hope someone somewhere... Are we, am I allowed to swear on this show at all? Or, or <laughs> of course. Say, suggestive things. Okay. I, was, I just hope someone somewhere has, has written the words, he trembled as he brought his member close to E.T.'s blowjob lips. Oh. I, hope, I hope that that's written somewhere. Um, I can almost guarantee that it that it is. I would imagine. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to type it into Google for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't want to see that. Rich kept taunting me in Forbidden Planet not long ago with the you know there's like an ET action figure of him dressed as the little old lady, and he was like chasing. Yeah, he was like chasing me around the shop with it, and I was just like, get it the fuck away from me, the little fucking. Little piece of shit, bah. Uh, oh, I, I was I was not familiar with that, but I am now. <laughs> it's terrifying. The stuff Excellent. of dressing uh, ET figure. That's amazing. Anyway, speaking of yeah. the stuff of nightmares, yeah. How about the thing you actually came to talk about? Uh, the current <laughs> government. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> We've already talked. <laughs> oh yeah, good. for forty um, minutes about that. Yes, <laughs> yes it's um, it's a book. What I wrote called Unearth, 
which uh, launched in May, at the very end of May, that, that I have self-published. Uh, so it's, it's entirely my doing, with the exception of the wonderful Connor Boyle, who did the artwork for the interiors. And, he's um, lovely, isn't he? He is lovely. He's, he's as beautiful a human being as he is an artist. Can you be a beautiful artist? I guess, yes, his work is beautiful. Uh, and um, and the, the covers is done by an artist called uh, Ben Oliver. The cover is terrifying. I'm just going to put that out there. Not, it's like it's not quite ET levels of terrifying, but it's close. yeah. I, I had a six foot, no more than six. It must have been an eight foot banner of that behind me at a convention. And I, I suddenly thought to myself, I wonder how many people are avoiding me because they're properly spun out by the um, by that banner. Because uh, I had a person helping me out on the table, and and uh, and uh, I said to her, "Oh, you know, this is my new book." She went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I don't want to look at it, and I went, "What?" Yeah, that stuff like that just spins me right out. I can't, I can't look. I'm sure it's great, but I, I can't deal with it. I'm like, oh, uh, okay. I hope you don't mind the eight foot banner you'll be stood in front of for the next three days. Maybe you um, should do like an alternative cover that's got like a picture of a My Little Pony or something on it. Yeah, just just a massive kitten. Yeah, playing, yeah, playing yeah. the xylophone or like a koala. They're cute. They are, yeah, they are adorable. I was just looking at a picture of the world's tiniest deer. Oh fuck off! What? Um, I'm going to have to send it, this to you as well, aren't I? Yeah. I'm going to have to send you a link, or you could look on my Facebook. I put up a, an article the other day of um, apparently the Japanese have become a really big thing of shaving dogs into squares. Oh, into squares, yes. Oh, my God, it's the fucking cutest thing I've it's ever seen. It's so weird. Well, they already grow cuboidal watermelons and stuff, don't they? Oh, it's They just... just love the cube over there. It's so, so cute. It's almost upsetting. <laughs> I've also got a picture on my phone that I look at whenever I'm feeling a bit sad, which is a very tiny dog in a teacup. <laughs> oh, I think I know the one you mean. I, the thing is, I, I do actually, all my vestiges of whatever is stereotypically supposed to be a man um, just flies out the window if someone shows me a picture of a cute like puppy. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've stopped conversations in work. I've been talking about something and just go... <gasps> People have gone, what's going on? Because because someone has appeared in the doorway holding a puppy. Uh, just, and I'm just, and they're like, oh my God, I thought something disastrous has happened. I was like, no, I can't process words now. I have to deal with petting this dog. Um, so, yeah, which is surprising considering the, the subject matter I've chosen to write about. Yeah. Uh, being, uh, <laughs> being this this horror book. And, uh, yeah, there's me spending my day looking at, at pictures of, uh, uh, yeah, tiny deer yeah i'm just trying to open that now so if this crashes i have to call you back in a minute but oh it's opening i uh i also have you seen the picture of a teacup pig sitting at a tiny tiny uh picnic table licking an ice cream uh no I, will, I, will, I need to I will, I will find it and i will face but i'm gonna make a note on my notepad teacup pig ice cream yep <laughs> that's getting sent to you later Excellent. why won't this picture load Oh, ah! oh my god, it's so fucking cute! Yeah, oh I can't god. even fathom that. Is like just a look how Ooh! short it is relative to just that small plant behind it. Fucking hell! Oh, that's just my um my sister in law's uh adamant that she's got. I don't know if it's a real thing or that she's just named it this, uh, but she calls it cute aggression, which is whenever she sees Ooh. something cute, she can't stop actually screaming and punching nearby people or things. I, I do actually bite my fist <laughs> sometimes. It things so cute, I, I bite my fist because I can't process the cute. Yeah, like I can't. It, I don't know. It 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 must be like <laughs> diabetics having too much sugar. I just my body goes no. 
no, I can't do anything now. I have to deal with just looking at this, this, and I see a cute dog in the in the street, and I'm like, I'm I'm sorry, please, can I? What what is your dog's name, and can I hold it? Uh, there's no, there's if someone's got a puppy, like walking past it is just not even an option. Oh, um, so it's like yeah, the you know licking my hand and leaping up, and I'm like, I never want to leave you. Please don't leave. Um, and that's why I write um, disturbing books yeah disturbing horror comics that makes yeah. sense that makes perfect sense <laughs> um that's why if i ever I, although that i must point out there's there's no there are no animals that feature in this story at all but it's one of those things where if if i want to um imagine a character that i absolutely despise i imagine them harming an animal and then to me that's like yeah yeah you're a bastard who i hate and <laughs> uh and and i can i can i can write characters i don't like if i imagine that they hate hate animals and would harm animals that's Pretty much, yeah. That makes sense, though, because you would think there's probably there's probably at least one point in your life where you've thought about hitting a person. So you can't really judge someone for being too like you wouldn't want to. I th- oh, think I'm writing a really evil guy. He's the kind of guy who'd like punch a woman because there's got to have been at least one woman in your life you've just thought, oh, oh, though you just need a little <laughs> like so in, in the in the days of equality. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've I've never I've never hit a man. And uh, I've never hit a woman, but I, I guess I guess nowadays I'd have to do both. Yeah, to yeah be, I think um... so. I think that's how it works. <laughs> yeah, I've never hit anybody either because no. I'm kind like that, and also I'm scared of most people, animals, and things. So yeah. yeah. Um. So on Earth, yeah, uh, it's good. Can I Thank just? I, I want to say that um, because I, before we start like properly rambling about something else entirely irrelevant, I got a review copy because you're lovely. Let me have one. Yeah, I thought it was wicked. I am not normally one for one-shot comics. Yeah. Because I tend to want more of it, or I don't feel like it's done enough, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But this was... it. I finished it, and I was like, ooh, I, I could do with more if you wanted to write more, in the sense of what came before, or potentially what could come after. I'm trying not to spoil. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but as a one thing on its own... It was also kind of perfect. If that oh, makes cool! Sense. Thank you. Yeah, it, I, I sort of um, oh, I, I, I've had a bit of a, an odd thing with, uh, and I think everybody <laughs> kind of does this thing. Every writer sort of does this thing where they're like, "I'm going to write my 47 issue opus uh, <laughs> book," uh, and you know, I had this these amazing grand plans of things I was going to do. This this goes back quite a few years, and I started writing sort of like this this series that would be three three 12 issue arcs mm-hmm. uh, and i wrote like 12 ish uh, six issues of the first 12 and mapped out the rest <laughs> and i kind of sat there and thought yeah realistically my my first comic is is not uh, no one's going to hand me a, a 36 issue maxi series um <laughs> as my first thing like that is that is a, a properly a genuinely mental thought process by which i was operating under and and every amateur writer has that same process that same thought so I started writing shorter things. I started writing kind of, you know, short five-page stories for anthologies and things like that for local, not local, it's like small press comics, local as in England. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I kind of thought, do you know what? What, what I need to do, uh, if, I'm, if it's something that I would publish entirely myself so that I have control over, because obviously working on Turtles and 
different things like that. I've, it's it's some it's always under somebody else's control. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you know, your editor uh, operates in a certain way, and you know, Nickelodeon have input, so on and so forth. And um, so, what you end up writing is a reflection of of a number of minds, ultimately. And I just thought I, I, I'd been through that experience, and I kind of thought, yeah, I actually, I, I really just want to write something or, or produce something that's entirely mine. I, I did actually write this uh, about seven or eight years ago, and was going to produce it at that time. And then the, my coloring kind of career took off a little bit, and it's just not been the time to to progress anything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I had a bit, little bit of time, and uh, I, I'd sort of seen Connor's artwork and. Uh, absolutely loved his artwork and i thought yeah kind of something i could see his his lines on this i could definitely see that that it would work and you know is he available and can i afford him and and all the (laughs) usual sorts of questions and um i'm just really happy when he was so kind of available to do it as it turns out my original plans for doing it october last year uh, fell apart spectacularly because i didn't have the time to do uh, any coloring or anything on the book so mm-hmm. so yeah I, I set myself the target of mcm expo and 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 just thought you know if i can get a complete story told and i think although it it doesn't end on a cliffhanger because it is on its own it i always feel that the best horror books leave things slightly unresolved mm-hmm. that the story has concluded but you're kind of left there thinking oh this isn't good and I don't mean as in this story was crap. <laughs> oh, what a crock of sheep! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but in the sense that you read it and go, oh yeah, oh uh, things have not not ended well for people. So that was very much my my mission with that. I kind of wanted to almost do like a short movie in a book, pretty much. As, you know, just movies are just one shots, and I kind of just wanted to tell a, a nice, distinct, standalone little story. And and yeah, and and do have complete control over it you know obviously i didn't do the art but i was you know it was i employed the artist and you know i had the book printed and i lettered it and and all that good stuff to really appreciate well all the work that goes into a book you know because comic books generally are kind of production line things it's not to put that down that's how that's necessary but everybody has their little role in it and this is the first time i kind of got to be more of more of the chain, you know, sort of the beginning, the end, and a lot of the middle. And, yeah, terrifying, but also satisfying, so. I can imagine it was pretty, uh, pretty scary, because I, well, I don't have any artistic talent, really, at all. <laughs> um, but the idea of having so much input on one thing would terrify me, because I think, like, what if I finish it? And I think, cool, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted it to be, and then it goes out into the world, and everyone goes, oh, that's pretty shit, it? <laughs> I, I, I'll be quite honest. I had that exact what I would describe as sphincter tightening terror. Mm-hmm. Squeaky um, bum the, time. The the minute that I sent off the finished thing to the the printers, and I was there, you know, with the, you know, do you want to pay this person X amount? And I just thought, oh, what if everyone hates it? <laughs> what if everyone thinks it's shit? Mm. And and I was sat there, and I just thought, oh, this is so terrifying, and. I just thought, well, do you know what? If people hate it, then I just need to write another thing that's better. <laughs> um, but but I have to get it. You know, that there's a f- a fear of, and and sometimes I've let this rule me a fear of if I don't produce something, no one can tell me it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think the truth of it is, is like I I had quite a few people over the years like read the script and give me their honest opinions on it, and they really enjoyed it, and then. 
because I'd had sort of about sort of six, seven years or whatever between writing it and then pulling out the drawer and looking at it and going, well, is this a, you know, what I'd written this one shot. Is it, was it any good? I was so removed from the decision-making process and the, and, and the thoughts that I had when I wrote it, that it read like somebody else's work. So I was kind of quite objective about it and read it. And I thought, do you know what? This, this still creeps me out. This still, this is still really interesting. There's still some things in here that, I'm excited by, you know, I've made very few changes in terms of that original draft because, well, I said that original, I probably wrote and rewrote that script at least 12 times. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'd polished it to within an inch of its life, but I still found spelling errors, of course, um, seven years later, and you think, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> How many times did I read that and I never clocked it? So, yeah, so I kind of thought, well, do you know what? I am... I'm, I'm, reasonably certain i mean i'm i'm happy with the script i think connor's work's amazing mm -hmm. i think it's enhanced what i wrote and I, I just thought if they don't like it i've i've given it my absolute bristol best in terms of of um of, of trying to tell a good story and and as well i think like a lot of conventions people will sell issue one of something and then it might take them two years to do issue two <laughs> very worried about doing that to people as well i i'm gonna call barry nugent out right now if this second fucking book is not out by this year's thought bubble i'm actually gonna kick him like straight up gonna kick him it's been about 10 no it's not been 10 8 it's a long time b <laughs> come on man <laughs> i love him but yeah come on i was gonna say something really pertinent about what you were just saying and now i've talked myself into a place where i can't remember what it was yeah oh about ish yes um yeah so i did i didn't want to be sort of selling people an issue that i then knew i wouldn't have the time to produce the second issue mm -hmm. so i do have some plans for for longer tales but i definitely wouldn't do anything with them until i knew i had a couple of issues finished um so again there's the time and the the money and the availability aspects to to, to doing that but yeah the next thing maybe that might come out would be a, a collection of short stories told as comic book comic book short stories mm -hmm. um which just i've had these little ideas percolating in all the time i've been coloring these last few years uh and uh, so what i want to do is just put together you know a decent sized kind of graphic novel uh that is just lots of short stories with collaborations from different artists mm -hmm. so that's yeah that 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 almost came first I have a vague recollection of you mentioning that on the last, yeah, the last time you were on. <laughs> and every every year, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'm aiming for this this October, either October or May, it'll come out. And I said I've said that for like the last four years. <laughs> so um, it it does get slightly close to becoming reality every year, but um, but it's still so far from being real. But it, it's the difficulty of, of comic books, really. It's just you know if if the if the coloring work comes in thick and fast all the writing work then you deal with that first because you need you need to because yeah. um uh, electricity and because yeah, um, money and, is nice <laughs> uh, absolutely and then of course when you're not working on it you're like oh i have time to do my own stuff but then of course you need money to print stuff and pay <laughs> artists and so it, it's an interesting kind of catch 22 of excitement so that's why i hope people will buy this book and um and and support support it and and then there will be more books i hope they buy it too i've said yeah. this on many an episode before that i uh i'm a bit notorious for not talking much about small press or like self-published stuff you um, fiend. and it's because 
hear me out. <laughs> it's because I've been burnt by a lot of it being terrible. Um, so when I do talk about stuff, it's because I actually really enjoy it. Because <laughs> um, I, I always go back to a story from, I think this was the very first convention I went to. It was one of the Birmingham conventions when it was over at Millennium Point, um, yeah. back when it yeah. still existed. Yeah. And um, I bought a book based on the fact that it had a really cute, manga style panda on the front mm. and i was like oh my god pandas <laughs> because i am very easily swayed by cute cute you know little bears and so i picked it up and it was one of the most garbage pieces of arse water that i've ever come across like it was just i just none of it made any fucking sense it read like it read like english wasn't the person's first language which it may not have been but surely yeah. you would get someone to like check stuff because, yeah. like, some sentences literally made up no actual sense. Like, mm-hmm. no matter how you tried to read it, it was like, <laughs> no, I do not know what you're saying here. Um, and then all of a sudden the panda had, like, it just suddenly did something about the universe, and I don't know, and it was just mm. shit. And I spent a tenner on that little fucking thing, and I was really yeah. cross about it. So now I'm, like, really finicky. <laughs> yeah, no, I can, I, yeah, it's understood. I mean, I think with the, um, you know, I mean, the truth is that... that um, you know anything you can buy. You know from from seeing a movie to to have it, it can be crap uh, or be brilliant. And um, yeah, it's uh, again that's one of those things I sort of hoped by having this one story out that people who met, perhaps don't think of me as a writer and think of me more as a, a colorist could dip their toe in the water and go, uh, yeah, this appealed to me. Or maybe you don't like horror, but it's like yeah, but it's a you know it's a good little story. And yeah, so hopefully when the next thing comes along it'll be less of a, a frightening sort of thing of like, well, you know, like you say, it's not another crappy panda book um, <laughs> or what have you. So, but no, I understand. I mean, yeah, I, I, there's actually, you know, some insanely good small press uh, books out there. It's just hard to know mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I think, cause um, you know, you, when you wander around a convention, you, you see someone, you think, oh, I, I don't know who I've never heard of this person. Uh, and they have a book on their table and, you know, sometimes they chat to you and sometimes you buy it uh, and you walk away and think, oh my, yeah, this is really bad. But you're, you're kind of sat there face to face with the person that put their effort into it. And it's, it's difficult at times as well. Um, you know, I, I admire anybody who has the gumption to, to, you know, put, put their work out there for consumption and, and whatnot. But yeah, sometimes it's, sometimes it's not very good. Um, but that's you know like i say with this i thought well i hope it's good uh i i, I believe that it's good i i'm not usually prone to self-delusion about these things uh you know i'm not one of those x-factor contestants that's like yeah i do like the best whitney houston ever um <laughs> i would love to hear your whitney houston uh, uh yeah I, I would do <laughs> um but I, i'll just start crying uh not not because whitney's dead but because i love kevin costner too much <laughs> too much so yeah the uh, <laughs> when will he carry me uh so yeah the um yeah it's i understand yeah i, I get it's it is it is daunting wandering about a comic village mm-hmm. and sort of thinking you know and and that is why people do kind of say oh i've heard of spider-man but yeah it's sort of it's 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 hard sometimes so and, that, and that's why you know podcasts and things like that it's good if if you find something that's that's good to Sing its praises, and yeah, hopefully other people will will feel a bit safer navigating the waters. Well, like I say, I mean, basically, what I'm saying is, 
if you're a small press slash creator-owned self-published thing and I talk about you in a nice way, that's a privilege. <laughs> <laughs> I, I because, feel very privileged, I do. <laughs> I've, um, I've had to actually email a few people and say, like, who've offered to send me review copies of stuff and I've just said, look, I'll put this out there. If I like it, I'll talk about it. If I don't, I won't mention it. <laughs> Just because I think with stuff like that as well, like I don't want to, I don't mind taking money out of Marvel's pockets or DC's pockets by saying this was shit and that was shit because their pockets are fucking massive, and <laughs> nobody listens to me anyway. Like Ten people listen, and I, I sincerely doubt that they would go, oh, well, Stay says Wolverine's gone shit, so I'm just going to stop reading it. Doesn't make any fucking sense. But with uh, with like you know self-published stuff you put a lot of time and effort into it and it costs you a lot of money i don't want to be the one going around saying no that don't buy that that's garbage (laughs) that's pretty harsh so um yeah basically i'm saying i really love this and um because i'm I'm, like i say i'm not i'm not usually into one shots i do like my horror comics though oh good um especially when they're drawn as and colored as creepily as on earth was holy crap man connor though oh yeah. It's just oh thanks car alarm good one okay. uh, <laughs> uh yeah no Con- connor just I, he because the thing is connor uh, and i i sort of on the um the unearth facebook page there's there's a sort of a a process where you can see how it goes from pencils to inks to colors uh and my absolute favorite panel just in terms of how different because he, his pencils are kind of almost like light you know that there's the and then there's, I had a lot of faith in him because he kind of said, look, these pencils aren't very detailed, but, you know, I have it all works through in the inks. So in, in a lot of ways, I was kind of imagining what it was going to look like based on some of the things. And then he his, he's got such control over his lines, but then when he works in on the inks, oh, he does some incredible things with kind of spatter and, and just like flowing, like the inks feel menacing mm-hmm. like it, it feels like the fabric of the book is sort of coming for some of the the characters in it and that yeah i was completely bowled over by mm-hmm. by what what he did and yeah i think there's there's almost a sense of urgency to the art especially in certain parts of the book that just i just love connor yeah He's and, so and you should He's magnificent. I picked up a copy of um, Cross from Connor yes. and Lizzie, but I haven't read it yet. I'm scared to. Might have a cry. <laughs> I know. I know. I kind of, um, yeah, there's, there was such hope in those pages. Yeah. Uh, for, for those that don't know, Cross is like a political satire type. <clears throat> yeah, I don't really want to look at it at the moment. No, <laughs> and no. that's not that's not a slight to the boils at all. It's just because you know politics sucks right now. Let's not get into that again. No, <laughs> but you should. But people should absolutely fight track down Connor's other work and yes. and Lizzie's wonderful work and uh, uh, and in terms of quality, small press, disconnected presses, uh, Connor and Lizzie Boyle should be. Should be on your hit list also after you've uh, purchased Unearth. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, there is an urgency, and 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 also one of the things that I really loved was again I, what I liked was because because it was my book, and I say my book, but I didn't really instruct Connor much beyond what's in the script, uh, and and I, my scripts tend to be kind of lean because I don't I don't feel that if I say or oh, we, we've got a medium close up shot looking up. Uh, at the character and this look is on his face and in the background we can see six lanterns leading into the distance and i just feel like i'm completely suffocating the artist to say uh, all i want from you is to 
to just draw what I've seen in my head. And uh, beyond that, I don't want your input at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the simple fact was I've seen Connor's artwork and and seen, he's done some amazing convention sketches of things like the Joker and it's completely his own thing. And I just thought that is really, really interesting, like really creative, really like doesn't look like anything else in the best possible, most complimentary way. It doesn't look like anybody else's work. And that's what I wanted. And, and I did say to him, if you if you want to monkey things around, if you want to change it, there's, there's some things that are in the script because they're necessary. Um, you know, there'll be a couple of instances where, where it will be directing you to, to do something very specific. Uh, but beyond that, if you want to do something else, I'm not going to stop you. If you want to change, um, you know, panels or add a panel, take a panel away, as long as the story continues to make sense. Um, <laughs> then, and, and there are a couple of, towards the end, actually, I didn't realize until I was coloring the, the last few pages that, yeah, that a panel had, had gone from the beginning of one page to the end of another, which actually changed the flow a little bit. But it, it yeah, it worked. It sort of, and, and that's what I, I trusted him, basically. I know that we'd never worked together before. Uh, I had complete confidence in in him and yeah as a result is the, the the kind of work that he did was very to my mind different very experimental like nothing i've ever colored before mm-hmm. and it meant that i experimented as well the he did these excellent sort of manic panel borders mm-hmm. uh, really rough panel borders and without spoiling it there's <laughs> there's some blood on one of the panels <laughs> and I, I just i colored the the scratchy panel borders in the, the same color as his, as the blood. And it just gives that whole page a really unsettling, uh, you know, you, you sort of know that everything has gone off the rails because chaos is fully on board at that point in the story. And um, yeah, that, that, so a, a lot of what, what Connor, uh, his choices in that just, just helped tell the story you know, much better than if I'd given him absolute instructions. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the dialogue all stayed the same and, you know, the, the plot stayed the same. But, yeah, just really interesting choices. Little things like, because I haven't actually explained the plot to the book, um, <laughs> I realised this is this this probably should have come about 20 minutes ago, uh, but because it follows a group of archaeologists who are looking for evidence of a, of a lost civilization inside an extinct volcano, which most people would say is a silly idea, but uh, they start finding evidence that something used to live there uh, and that that something is not uh, quite as human as they uh, perhaps would have thought and uh, and everything goes wrong from there, really. But yes, the Dantini, who is the lead archaeologist, uh, an Italian archaeologist, yeah, he uh, kind of drew him with this sort of one tuft of hair <laughs> that kind of like is constantly unkempt. Yeah. And just sort of, and it it was not how I imagined the character at all. I sort of imagined him being like, slightly Anthony Hopkinsy mm-hmm. in my original thought. I didn't put that in the script. And so when it came back and I just saw the, that, that kind of mad hair tussle, this kind of tusk sticking out of his head, I thought, that's really cool. That's really cool. That that You get the sense of this guy slightly off his gourd. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 a bit of a dog uh, brain feel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I th- but I think as well, the way I kind of thought of it in the story was it's almost like an antenna. <laughs> Because the idea is, and again, it's not explicit in the book, but the idea is that the the spirit of the place, as it were, has kind of been communicating with Dantini. So he's looking in the volcano because he's drawn to it. And the reason he's been drawn to it is because there's this voice whispering to him, uh, almost like a madness saying, you know, you need to keep digging. 
uh, when everybody else is kind of saying, oh, it doesn't seem very likely, but you are, you're a respected man. So I just like the idea of it being an antenna for picking up crazy signals. So there's, there's little things, little, little things like that that just, just became like ideas that I latched on, you know, and that's stuff that Connor brought to the mix. You know, I just, I couldn't be happier with, with what he's done on it, really. I think you should both be very proud of it because I think it's pretty wonderful. I'm not very good at comp- taking compliments, but but <laughs> thank you, firstly, because it's rude to not. But uh, but yeah, I, I've been, the, the reaction has been just so much better than I could have hoped. Uh, and, and people seem to really get the book and enjoyed the book and support the book and, and reviewed it positively. And I, yeah, a lot of my f- fear sort of has has gone away now that i think you know people have are able to get it in their hands and 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 see it and um yeah i it's exciting i mean I, I still you know the book is is new uh and you know being small press it's kind of it, it'll come with me to conventions and things like that and obviously it's available online as well but yeah so it's going to be part of my life for quite a while you know it's not like a marvel or a dc book where it comes out and then it's replaced by something else the following week. This is, you know, a little one shot that's going to come with me wherever I go. So uh, I'm, I'm pleased that people like it and it's and something that, that we can be proud of to have for people. But mm-hmm. I still have that British side of me that's, that wants to go, I'm, I'm awfully sorry. <laughs> would, you, would, you, would you mind terribly having a look at this, this periodical which I've created? Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't. I, there's definitely that salesman part of the gene is is not there. Um, so I, I'm going to have to pick that up over the coming years. But but yeah, it's uh, yeah. So it, it, in a long roundabout way, thank you. <laughs> it's all right. What I, what I will say is, um, if people want to know more about it, and obviously go and pick it up, the Geek Syndicate website has a really good review of it by one of the other lovely ladies, um, Vix. And also, we did an interview. It's my first interview. What I have done by messages, which was weird and interesting. <laughs> I like, like I really enjoyed doing that because I've never done it before. But I did oh. learn that I really need to not not be watching telly while I'm doing it for a start because <laughs> uh, I will get distracted. <laughs> and and also to sort of like you know just wait a few minutes to make sure the other person has actually finished what they're saying because a lot of our messages were well jumbled <laughs> to do a lot of jigging. Um, came out <laughs> yes, right though. Yes, we were responding to, yeah, I was typing <laughs> one thing, it was response to thinking two above. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we went a bit bananas, but it all worked out in the end. Uh, Absolutely. No one noticed the joins. It's fine. It's seamless. Yeah, no. I thought it was pretty... Uh, I think I managed to jig it pretty seamlessly. Um, <laughs> so if you want to have a look at that on the Geek Syndicate website, I'm sure if you just search for Unearth Geek Syndicate on Google, because I don't know the web thingy, but what am I even saying? Oh, my God. Sh- show notes, surely. <sighs> yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll put them in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self. Let's put it. Showed us. Also the links. cute deer. Yes. I'm going to find that picture of a pig as well for you later. Yeah. So, hey, um, as as you have already pointed out that you don't like much talking about yourself and selling yourself, would you like to talk about someone else's stuff? Yes, I'd love to. I, I'd love to, to be just, just mean about somebody else's stuff now that I've said <laughs> Yeah, let's just on everything. Criticism. Yes, let's do that. Okay. Have you seen or read or done anything exciting lately? <laughs> I oh, rarely see well. the outside world. Um, 
we're kept in eternal darkness, us comics folk. Yeah, a couple of things. Um, I watched, and I don't know if people have heard of this, uh, but it was called Marvel's The Avengers Age of Ultron. What's that now? I think it's a small independent movie. Never heard of it. Who's in it? Um, I don't think so, no. It it had the guy from um, oh that um, that racing pick playing... I can't remember what it's called now. That Ron Howard uh, racing film. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, had the guy from that in it playing some sort of Norse guy. Right. Um, it's and still I think not it, ringing any bells. No, it's, it's really hard. Uh, Snowpiercer's Chris Evans. Uh, and uh, I think it had. Uh, is it Summer of? Oh, is it Summer of Sam? What's the? Oh, no, the, the Zodiac it had Zodiac's uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Mark Ruffalo in it. Um, oh, and, and under the skins, um, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> good choices. Uh, I like to take good. Yeah. Ones. <laughs> so um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to catch on. I think. Uh, <laughs> Did you enjoy honest. it? Out of interest, I, I had very mixed feelings actually. So did I, and I, I, I know so many people who either loved it or hated it, and I'm just sort of somewhere in the middle, feeling yeah. very weirdly about it. I, I kind of it, it was it, what I would describe as it was less than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it had loads of brilliant bits in it, but they somehow didn't all kind of mesh into one really good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first Avengers movie, I remember before it came out. I thought if anything's going to go wrong, it's going to be th- this film because there's too many characters fighting for supremacy, on it, you know, in it. It's too big, and I just don't think it can hang together. And I watched the film just with a huge smile on my face the whole time, and I thought, I don't know how they did it, but they completely nailed it. Mm-hmm. And I think I went into Age of Ultron thinking they've already done it right once, and they had to tell the origin of the group. There's no way they could get this wrong. And they sort of did. Yeah. No, um, you know, in the in the first film, you know, Iron Man goes from being kind of selfish to selfless. Caps like I don't know what my place in the world is. Kind of finds meaning. Um, you know, there, there's there's everyone sort of has a, a, a through line. And I felt in Age of Ultron, Cap is basically exactly the same person at the end as he is at the beginning. Yep. So is Thor. So is Iron Man. So is Hulk. I guess Hulk potentially not, um, but. It, I I, re- I didn't feel like it embraced. I, I, I didn't feel the characters had a proper story. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of lovely scenes and some really excellent character moments, but they just didn't all go together. I, and they're talking about an extended edition, and I do I do feel like the bits that I do feel like perhaps they've edited it to the point where they've kept all the big bits in, but I actually think it needed all the smaller moments to allow it to breathe and join up mm-hmm. I so. um, I said to Rich when we came out of the cinema that it felt like a video game to me it was like set piece then set piece then mm. set piece and there was very little in between for you to connect with it just yeah. felt like an awful lot of here's some things fighting and it looked cool it looked really mm. cool and I said that the, the thing I found really odd about it was I came out of it having really enjoyed it but yeah. there were a lot of things that I just I don't think worked or i mean like one of the things that that really bothered me and i can't i still haven't really been able to put my finger on exactly why is um the bit at the party at avengers tower Mm. when they draw a very large amount of attention to the fact that two women are not in the film yeah and i thought that was a really strange thing to draw attention to so i thought you've got the opportunity here to either have these women in it and have them you know 
Mm. I, I mean, I'm not a fan of women for the sake of women in movies, but it's odd to me that you would draw attention to the fact that they're not there for no real reason. Like, I didn't need an explanation why they weren't there. I See, the thing is, I think they were slightly down if they did and down if they didn't. Because uh, mm-hmm. as soon as they acknowledged it, I was like, well, I don't think that was actually a good enough acknowledgement. Yeah. Um, I hadn't even noticed, though, to be honest. I didn't even really think about it. And it was only because they drew my attention to it that I was like, oh, yeah, where are these two women who are apparently really important in these people's lives? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. So, uh, well, I think, because um, to be honest, I think the thing is, though, and, and what what's sort of slightly frustrating in a way is if you actually look at who those characters are, you know, one of them is a woman who is in charge of the like the biggest company in the world, and the other one is like the world's most eminent scientist in her field. And actually, if you look at representation for women generally, you don't get many women CEOs, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't get you know in terms of science, technology, and maths and everything, women are sort of underrepresented. It's actually quite a positive thing to have have those two people in those roles. So I sort of felt like they, they probably needed to have a stronger explanation for why they weren't there. Yeah. Because actually, you know, they could have said, oh, I mean, I did, I know they were saying, oh, I think she was picking up the Nobel Prize or something, but I, I thought then the comeback of like, oh yeah, then they missed this sausage fest or something. I just thought that whole bit was a bit weak. Yeah. But I did say, if you actually look at the Marvel women who have not really been used, I think, to their greatest extent if you look like i say Pe- uh, you've got pepper who is ceo of a massive technological company you've got jane foster who is leading scientist on wormholes and all sorts you've got betty ross that everyone seems to have forgotten about um who is like you know a really uh, sort of well-regarded um scientist and you and i was just sort of thinking wouldn't it be great if they did a film where you had say for instance you've got betty ross and natalie portman's character working at Stark on some incredible piece of technology or whatever, mm-hmm. and someone comes after them, and basically Pepper and Betty and uh, Jane Foster kind of end up going on a run, protected by Maria Hill and Black Widow. Yeah, that'd be pretty amazing. Uh, I just think they're all amazing actresses, uh, and I actually think it would just be really interesting to have a, a film with just them all quite strong women being strong with you know with basically the men being second fiddle in it but i don't think they'll do that sadly because they've they've already got their film thing planned out for the next billion years but (laughs) um but i just thought i really like all those characters and i I love the actresses that play them and i I sort of yeah i feel like i could i could they might have yeah they they need more to do yeah because i think it was sad i mean i I can understand i'm pretty sure that they said that both were too busy for being in the movie Mm. on a whole but couldn't they have been at that party or you know had a little conversation you know where two of them are being super smart about something super great just for a second yeah you know i don't think it would have killed anyone especially when because i think some of the things i chose to leave in the film were a bit bizarre to me as well like when thor goes to get that scientist guy and he goes mm. and takes a dip in some lake that's not really explained yeah uh some secret lake apparently that no one knows about but scientist man um mm. like none of that really mattered <laughs> in, no, the, that... in the grand scheme of things and i thought i found it really odd that you would put that in there but you wouldn't put more like i thought it was really odd how little time they really devoted to the black widow hulk thing because that felt really uncomfortable yeah. to me it didn't feel it felt really forced like i didn't at the end of avengers i didn't see them pair as people that were going to possibly get together 
and then all of a sudden she's having a cry about not being able to have kids on him and he's like, well, fucking look at me, gamma irradiated nonsense, kind of kids yeah. this. And I was just like, where's this Where's this come from? Like this needed more incubation. I don't think well, needed. I agree. And I, I think there's two things. I think we've, we've seen Black Widow since Avengers and this, you know, if they'd have made some mention, I don't know, at, even if they'd someone had mentioned Bruce and she smiled or something, yeah, to give a hint that this might be on the cards. But I think we were just expected to accept that things had happened between the last film and this one that we hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. And I think you know I accept that there, there's a place where those things could have happened that we hadn't seen. But it was still like, oh, I'm finding this difficult to accept. Yeah, it, it does feel like it's come from nowhere. And I think that's why a lot of people were grumbling about it in terms of. You know, or they've reduced Black Widow to X, which I don't think they actually did. But no, I don't. But I, I think because it came from nowhere, I think a lot of people felt like, "Oh, you've made her a love interest." And uh, but I think I, I don't know. It, it just it's not as successful as say, you know, even though her and Steve don't get together in Winter Soldier, there's, there's it's like the, the flirting feels like if if they'd have picked up in this film and they'd been a couple, you'd go, "Oh, okay." So that that move, you know, that progressed. Yeah. I still think that wouldn't have been the best way to go, but you kind of go, oh, okay, well, yeah, I could see that coming. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I um, it, missed, it missed quite a lot of the marks for me. And I, I also found the action sequences, um, did, I, like the first action sequence, I couldn't tell what was going on. Oh, I hated the first one. I thought the first one, like, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking in terms of the effects and the way the camera was panning about the place. Like, I hadn't got a clue. <laughs> Yeah, it was too Weird. yeah unreal in the way that it. Like I say, it did it did feel really video gamey, especially that that really like cheesy slow motion bit where they're all like doing a bit of a superhero leap, and I was yeah. just like, yeah, we know they're the Avengers, we've seen them before. Calm down, love. <laughs> um, and I, I, like it really bothered me that they were trying to make Hawkeye a big deal in this film because I think Jeremy Renner is without a doubt the weakest link in that cast. Jeremy Renner's an odd one for me because he seemed to have become massive at some point, but I'm not quite sure when. Or why. Not, or why. <laughs> um, but I did find that he had the best lines in uh, in Age of Ultron. He was the one probably um, I thought was the most likeable, uh, just because he sort of was aware of how mad everything was going on around him. Whereas I think, I don't know, I think they sort of made Tony a bit more of a dick than yeah. he needed to be. And I think Cap was a bit more of a stuck-up git. It, than he usually is. And, that and felt I think, to me like they were planting Civil War seeds. Yeah, although weirdly, Joss Whedon sort of says at the time that it was written and everything, they didn't have a clue that was coming. Hmm. So it, it's slightly baffling to me just, just how much it feels like a soft yeah. setup for that. But I said to Rich, what I found really strange was that, like you were saying earlier, by the end of Avengers, you know, people had learnt things and les- mm. lessons and changed a bit. Whereas this, to me, felt like the Tony Stark in this felt like the Tony Stark at the start of Iron Man One, like yeah, <laughs> the the one who's a dickhead and thinks he's right about everything. And and I found it really strange that um, Bruce Banner didn't fight his his own corner more. Like when Tony was saying, "I'm going to create this AI," and he was like, "Don't you think it's a bad idea?" And Tony was like, "Fuck off, I'm a genius." And Bruce Banner was just like, "All right, then let's do it." I was like, no, like you're a fucking genius yourself. Don't stand for none of his shit just because he's Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only thing that sort of I couldn't quite get to grips on really was 
that he already had an AI, which was Jarvis. Yeah. And at the end of Iron Man 3, Jarvis has successfully managed to pilot 42 suits. So why did he need another... Why did he need a different AI? I couldn't... Yeah. I, I, there's a couple of... It does sort of... Because when I watched it the second time, I was sort of specifically going in to see whether certain things got answered. And I think they did kind of address it. But they, to me, it, it does seem like an obvious sort of like logic gap mm. um that really you know they could just what why imprint anything you know you've you've got loki scepter which is assumed to be evil that's got an intelligence living inside it it can't be a good thing <laughs> you know that there's a lot of sort of what i would say is very written decisions that people wouldn't do mm. i like the fact that that the fact that there was an ai hidden in that stone was actually kind of cool because if you think about it throughout the first avengers it was sort of overwriting people's will so i was like actually that that makes sense that that flows nicely from the first avengers but lots of things didn't mm-hmm. um i kind of love the vision though i yes and i completely oh, so wonderful completely love the vision uh, it's the innocence of it just yeah his power and his innocence it's just a really nice juxtaposition that that line oh i might be wrong i was born i was only born yesterday after all <laughs> it's just like oh but then yeah just the power behind that uh you know what he does next no spoilers um <laughs> but yeah and it's it's you know it follows a fine tradition of, of androids in that context from data like from star trek next generation and stuff the kind of innocent but morally righteous super powerful you know doesn't quite get humans and the human condition i just thought yeah, really nicely done. And Paul Bettany did a really good job as well. So, yeah, I want to see more of him. Me too, definitely. And he's going to be in Civil War, but he's going to... If Civil War's like Winter Soldier, which is fairly grounded, it's going to be weird seeing the vision flowing about in his magic cape. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, this is he, true. he could just kick the ass of anyone. Civil War's a weird one for me because like, I, I didn't enjoy the Civil War storyline, but I didn't hate it as much as most people seem to. But the... Like comic book reasoning for the Civil War kicking off cannot mm. cannot be the same in the movies because nearly everybody knows nearly everybody's identity. There's no real secrets for people to kick off about some sort of registration act. Like it won't make any sense. So there's got to be some other inciting incident that causes it. Um, so I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued to see where yeah. they go with the films because it could be an entirely different thing. My, my, my imagining is that it will kick off, it will start roughly the same, which is that some superheroes will be on mission and they'll blow up a school mm-hmm. or something. Something bad will happen and and then the government will basically say, look, it won't be about identities. It will be, look, you can't operate. If you're going to be a superhero, you have to be registered with the government. You can't just go off and do whatever you want. And then Steve will say, yeah, but S.H.I.E.L.D. was part of the government and that was corrupt. So I refuse to join. And I, I think it will, it will, I think it, my imagining is it will start in, in roughly the same way, just that the the secret identity part won't be the bit, but it'll be whether their actions are directed by the government or whether they're directed by their sense of right and wrong. I think that's going to be how they'll do it, but I don't know. It just seems the, the logic. But what's interesting was when they first did the Iron Man and Captain America, I remember saying to my wife, if they ever did Civil War, they would be on the opposite sides to the, how they are in the comic. Because Cap would be all about, I'll, you know, I'll fight for country and duty and honour and I'll do whatever I'm ordered to do. Mm-hmm. And, and Tony would be like, screw the rules. Uh, and of course, they have, over the course of the intervening years, sort of set it up that, I, that Tony might be the kind of guy who would now say, you know, yeah, maybe we need controls on this stuff. 
And yeah, Kathy is the sort of person to go, no, I believe in my moral conscience more than I do the state. But yeah, definitely eight years ago, I would have said, you know, maybe not six years ago, whenever Cap came out, I'd have said that they would have been on the opposite sides that they were in the comics. Mm. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they I go can't wait. I'm, I'm constantly excited by new Marvel movies, even, <laughs> e- even though I'm the only person or about one of eight people that, that really didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Ooh, I, yeah, controversial. I, I know, honestly. <laughs> I, say, I talk to people at Collins and they're like, oh, what's... I say, I say oh, you know, they're wearing a Marvel t-shirt. I'm like, oh, what's your favourite Marvel movie? They're like, oh, Guardians. I'm like, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's fine. I just, it's, it's, yeah, it, it didn't, it didn't set my world alight the way that the others have done to fairy and do it. I don't think it's bad. I, I just, um, I, I really didn't have a, I just thought, yeah, it's fine. It's a film. <laughs> it didn't, didn't do anything for me in the, in the grand scheme of things. So, but I, I still like more, more of the Marvel movies than I don't, mm. you know what I mean? I, I don't dislike any of them, in fact. Oh, I do. I do. Go on, what's, you, what's your dislike? The first Avenger, I think, is 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 gash, <laughs> and uh, both Thor movies boring as fuck. Oh, really? Yeah, boring as fuck. Like oh. I, the second time, because I, I I saw Thor at the cinema and I thought I quite enjoyed it, uh, mm. and I remember watching it with my granddad, I think, on DVD, and we both fell asleep. Oh, right. And I was like, well, that's not a rousing endorsement of <laughs> what we feel about this movie because it's not like it was late or anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know what it is about Thor. He has some good lines every now and again, but overall he's just like, I'll hit it with a hammer. Although I will say, uh, <laughs> I will say that one part in um, Avengers where like Cap flings his shield and then uh thor twats it with that's it. yeah that was just i was just like yes please that was so yeah. good there are some no. like proper really good moves like where they work as a proper team which i thought was really yes i still it's, I, the thing for me with the first avengers movie as well there was every scene in it i didn't realize i wanted to see that until i saw it like like when Thor and Iron Man have a scrap together, I'm kind of there going, do you know what? Before I came to see this film, this is not the, on the list of things I thought was going to be brilliant, mm-hmm. but I'm loving this. I, I love this fight. And, and every, you know, and like, oh, Iron Man and Cat working together or sort of like, yeah, I didn't think this was going to be as cool as, as, as this. Just loads of little bits I just didn't realise I wanted to see until they appeared in front of me. I'm like, oh man, this is like the greatest moment uh, whereas in the second Avengers movie, I kind of felt like I didn't have any of those, uh, yeah, moments. I, I I kind of thought we were maybe going to get a bit of Tony and Cap fighting against each other, which we got for about three seconds. Mm. But yeah, there was nothing kind of new to it in a way. It was just more. Yeah, I did. Um, I do think there were some very good lines in it though, and I think uh, I mean I thought Ultron was cracking. Yeah, I, he had some great lines. The only thing was, I didn't feel like he was a threat. I, I didn't really understand what he was getting at. I don't really know what he was doing. Until the last half hour. Um, I The thing that I... I mean, I might need to watch it again because I've only seen it once and I've slept since then. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but there, it seemed to me like he came into being and he went on the internet and then he went, well, everything's got to die. But then he just mm. sort of stood about a bit. And I know he was building like robot bodies and things, but he, yeah. he wasn't really doing much that seemed like he was actually doing anything. And I was just like, well, when's, when's he going to do something? Mm. And then he just picked up a town. 
I think. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> it's 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 the thing is everything you're saying is weirdly is exactly accurate and yet still somehow kind of not true at the same time. But I think he built like a million robot bodies, but then they were all really easy to destroy. So yeah, that, and they all just a lot of them for a really long time just stood in rows. Yeah. And I think that's why in um, Avengers, the first Avengers, when they're like, yeah, we can fight these guys. Yeah, there's loads of them. I, I think when you had that plus uh, civilian, civilians were much, you know, casualty risk. But then you had the big Leviathan things come down. And you were like, oh, okay, shit. Okay, how are they going to get? Whereas with them, they never felt like an escalating threat mm-hmm. uh, from Ultron. It's just like, yeah, there's just more. Yeah, because and then there was that, the big version. But then uh, yeah, that was, part where, really he did, where he did pick up that town and it was all mm. a case of like, right, we've got to save everybody in this town, but also make sure this town doesn't drop again because somehow that will crush the entire Earth. I don't know. <laughs> well, it, Maybe it's, I'm it's exaggerating the, it's, a tiny bit. It, it's the meteor effect. It was basically that just if, you know, if it gets high enough up, uh, he was going to accelerate it back down again, and it would basically be an extinction-level event because it would, it would kick up so much dust and whatnot into the atmosphere that it would, yeah, basically the the Earth would go dark and everything would freeze and die, and that would be it for humanity, and the only thing left would be a robot. But it's it's sort of like, like actually that was the only bit that the last half hour of that film, the actual fight in the town. And all of that felt like the first film to me. I understood the stakes. Mm-hmm. I understood that he was going to carry out an extinction level event on humanity. So all of a sudden, it's like, okay, okay, that is a threat. It was an interesting visual having the whole thing lifted. I loved the fight, and I thought once the Avengers were actually doing civilian saving stuff, I actually was rooting for them mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I hadn't really cared much about them for the rest of the film. And yeah, it just felt like it came together, and and really nice moments. Like like I say, Hawkeye saying, you know, I'm I'm a guy with a bow and arrow on a floating city, you know, um, fighting a, a legion of robots. Like you know, just him being completely out of place, and also um, Scarlet Witch sort of finally womaning up and taking that that the step forward and everything. And yeah, I just at the moment where Steve and and Natasha just kind of contemplate dying just stood there going i'm not i, I refuse to leave here with a single civilian and she says didn't say anything about leaving you know i can think of worse ways to go and it was just like a really quiet moment in after all this and that's what i mean i think it needed more quiet moments mm-hmm. to make the the big scenes have any meaning yeah. and and that last bit is where i felt it did that right and it, and it just had some little moments mm-hmm. where you kind of felt like you, you had a chance to feel something and and yeah so so yeah, I, I I enjoyed it, but it's not. But it, well, I would, you know, it's you know, like a three star kind of. <laughs> it's uh, it would thing. not it would not be in my top five. I'm no. trying to think how many Marvel movies there are and whether that's a there against are it or not. <laughs> ten, I think. Okay. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That would be the eleventh. So there's 11, including it. So it would have been harsh if I said, I don't think I've met my top 10. <laughs> <laughs> yes, unless you include every Marvel, non-Marvel Studios movie, in which case it's even harsher because you'd have to put um, The Punisher and um, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. starring David Hasselhoff and stuff in there. I would love to um, see that movie. I really want to see that. It is. It's it's everything you've ever dreamed of. I imagine plus it's David Hasselhoff. I imagine it's spectacular. I I just can't I can't even get my head around how wonderful I think it would be. <laughs> it's if if you've seen him act in anything, you've seen him act in this. It's Baywatch Nights' um 
David Hasselhoff oh. as Nick Fury. Yes. <laughs> it just seems mad to think of Nick Fury as a as a white guy now as well, yeah. considering he was white for all those years. Just can't imagine anyone other than Samuel L. now. He's an odd person, isn't he, Samuel L. I, uh, I'm saying this based on the fact that I recently saw the movie Kingsman, Secret Service. Ah, uh, yeah. In which he plays possibly the most nonsensical character I've ever <laughs> seen in anything that's supposed... Like, I understand this isn't based in, like our world but it sort of is if that might i don't know if you've seen the film but no i, I um, literally only just saw the trailer for it today and yeah the um yeah because he's got a crazy lisp wasn't he and, yeah well he's got a crazy lisp and he wears like backwards caps and he's mm-hmm. he's a millionaire and he invites people over for mcdonald's at his house and i'm just <laughs> i don't i don't really understand what's going on with him at all and he's got this like yeah. like nefarious plan about how he's gonna scoop up all the world's best people put them somewhere safe get the rest of the world to kill themselves or kill each other by by some sort of sonic thing coming from everyone's mobile phones question mark wasn't really paying attention right and he's just i don't know he's like a he's like a big old caricature of a villain which is really weird because the the film itself is kind of set in our world in the sense that, that it's not it's not like robots running around and it's not like fantasy land or the the far future. Like everything is as it is in this world, except there's a secret service. Actually, this you never know, it might exist, it's secret. Yeah. There's like a secret group of people that go around doing all the government type jobs that maybe the government can't own up to having to do. Like before the cuts. Yeah. <laughs> And um, it's a really weird film. Uh, it's based on a comic called The Secret Service, which I read half of and then got bought yeah. off. <laughs> um, so I was hoping the movie might be better. But it's a really weird one because it's a really good idea, but it's executed yeah. really strangely in that there's some good action sequences and then there's just some that are just gratuitous violence. Yeah, because I, 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 it's Mark Miller, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I always feel with... Um with Mark Miller that there's there's two types of Mark Miller, uh, which is insanely inventive, imaginative, really unusual scenes and characters and stuff. And then there is the Mark Miller that, that doesn't know when to stop. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and there, there's sort of like, there's too much violence or weird kind of rapey stuff or bombs placed in teenage girls uteruses and just re- stuff he's just gonna think is this is this just to sort of grab people's attention because but uh, he's written some of my favorite books of all time and then he's written some works i can barely read because <laughs> they're just they are gratuitous so mm. it, it's interesting with this with the films that um it's hard to know w- which you're going to get or mm. if you're going to get a bit of both well i was going to say i think it is a bit of both because the um Colin Firth plays one of the people in this secret service and they're all very swanky and very posh and well-to-do and quite rich and suits and all that pal. And um, he recruits this chav, basically. Uh, yeah. he, this chav's dad used to be... I've forgotten everybody's names, you might have noticed, by the way. Um, this chav... <laughs> I, I, know who you, I know who the chav is. Yeah. The trailer. Um, yeah. His dad was part of the secret service and he did a dead on a mission yonks ago when he was... when chav was just a kid. Um He's just Chav from now on. <laughs> uh, uh, Chav grows up to be about, I would say, about 16, 17-ish. Um, and Colin Firth appears and he's like, hey, why not be part of our Secret Service thing? And he has to do all these tests and stuff. And some of it's really quite clever. And um, some of the action sequences are really 
interestingly filmed. It's like very stylized, and there's a really good action sequence towards the start where Colin Firth is trying to convince him to join this group, where this other group of chavs come into the pub and they're like, "Oi, you stole my car yesterday. Let's have a fight." And Colin Firth just like murders them. <laughs> but like, I mean, I don't think any of them are actually dead, but he just absolutely yeah. tears them all a new arsehole, and he's like, right. See you tomorrow. And and that bit's really good. But then there's a scene later in the movie, and I'm going to spoil this, sorry, guys, where um, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson is testing out his brainwashing rage sound wave thing on Colin Firth. And what he does is he locks him in a church uh, full of normal people and he sets off this sonic whatever and everyone just goes crazy out bonkers in there and it's just like anything you can grab that you can shove in someone's eye let's grab that and do that and it is just a bunch of normal people getting their asses handed to them by each other and colin firth and it's just a massive massive murder sesh but then the absolute worst part is is that he walks out afterwards and uh, samuel l's like oh jolly good that seems to work then on with the plan with his lisp that wafts in and out because sometimes he just forgets um (laughs) And and off he goes, and you never hear about that again. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that that's that's going to be a police investigation or something. Like some some someone's yeah, going to have yeah. pictures of Colin Firth there or Samuel L. Jackson waiting outside. <laughs> like somebody's somebody's seen this and reported this. Why is this not mentioned? And it's like proper, just it's a bloodbath. It's horrible. And I was yeah. watching it, and I was like, I don't I don't see how this is entertaining. Yeah, it was just gross. Yeah, I, like I said, I think I think sometimes there's a I, I don't know. I, I've had some stuff I really like kind of spoiled by d- just because something can be done. You know, that there's actually some as artistry to restraint mm-hmm. sometimes. I think, and um, yeah, because have you seen the like the the Daredevil TV show? Of course. <laughs> um, you know, because that a lot of that's there's a lot of brutal moments in it, but they don't. They don't kind of go too far. Mm-hmm. They they go pretty far, but they don't kind of go. And I I think sometimes it's it's like um, the Watchmen movie goes too far, and and some of the things that the way characters behave in it sort of changes the the point of scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, like with Night Owl and um, is it Silk Spectre when they're walking in the, the along the back alley in the comic book they get jumped. And they basically they haven't fought anyone in you know twenty years or whatever, and they're fighting for their lives, and they're you know they're trying to get their muscle memory back, mm-hmm. and they you know they just about managed to beat the crap out of everybody and and escape with their lives, and they and they're so you know they're kind of breathless and everything, and that's then then it goes onto them having sex because they're sort of like oh my god we're you know what it, it's like a rush to the system and everything. In the film, they super heroically snap everyone's neck. <laughs> Um, smash their arm. I mean, they're all dead. They murder everybody in that alley. There was no contest at all. They just murder them. They flat out murder them, then go home and have sex. And you kind of go, well, the, this has changed the meaning of this scene from being like, there was no need for that violence at all to the degree that they had it. Mm-hmm. And now it just looks like they've got off on killing people, which to me makes those characters completely like, that makes them bad people, not. You know, not people fighting for their lives, but people who just murder and get off on it. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I think sometimes restraint, you know, you can still be kind of brutal without being too brutal. But hey-ho, a man advocating for less blood and violence. <laughs> what, 
<laughs> the thing is, I said a very similar thing in the last episode. I was talking about Mad Max Fury Road, which might be oh, yeah. one of my new favourite films of all time ever. Because one of the things I absolutely loved about it was there are four, five women in it who are trying to escape a horrendous situation. Mm-hmm. But not once do you ever see what that situation was. There's no abuse oh, okay. of women for your entertainment in it yes. um, because they could very easily have gone the route of here's him raping this woman to try and make a baby here's him mm-hmm. beating this other one because she's not pregnant or she's miscarried or you know something like they could have shown you all of that but they didn't because these girls were scared enough to risk everything to leave and that's all you needed to know is that things were bad enough that they would rather die in an escape attempt Mm. than stay there and i was so tough with that because it's just it's far too easy for films to go down the route of beating people up for entertainment and i don't think it always needs it um no and and like i said things happening off camera actually is slightly more unsettling Oh, yeah, because what I can imagine was happening is probably much, much worse. <laughs> exactly. And, and it is much worse. And, that, and, you know, it's like with horror films, the thing that you're imagining is going on is, and that's why, one of my, for me, one of the tensest bits of films often uh, happens in quite a few films, but it's like in Taken, the scene where she's underneath the bed and you just see feet walking past. Mm. And it's actually the fact that you can't see what's happening is more frightening than if they just, you know, did jump cuts of people like, you know, trying to find her. It's just, I don't know. I, I think, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with, I, I think, violence for a reason, if that makes sense. I think sometimes you need it to be shocking because that's the point you're making, is that violence is shocking. But I think when it, it's gratuitous, it's because they're just they're just showing it because, like, they think it's cool. That's... You know, yeah, we show this guy's head being ripped off and it's like, okay, but was that needed? You know, did you have to do that? Did that? I think it should always be a conversation. Is it is it necessary to... And I, I think with um, with Daredevil, you kind of needed it to be that because actually you needed to see him having the shit beaten out of him. Mm-hmm. You needed to see that it was hard for him. Yeah. Uh, and and they didn't kind of like go. They didn't turn it into violence porn, um, but they definitely you you needed to feel him having his ribs broken mm-hmm. and having you know and the blood coming out of his mouth because it's like he is just a guy. And I think that's what separates it from something like Iron Man or what have you. Is not you know it's just a guy in a in some Under Armour. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I haven't seen Mad Max. My wife uh, loved it, mm-hmm. but I'm not a fan of the Mad Max film, so I just kind of avoided it. I, I'd i never seen any of the other Mad Max movies. Yeah. Um, and I only went to see this. Like, Rich wanted to see it anyway, so he was like, whinging at me, oh, please come with me. But then a men's rights activist wrote a big, long thing Ugh. about how we should avoid this movie because it's feminist propaganda and it's not a real men's movie and women are trying to steal all our stuff and what the fuck. And I was like, well, now I have to see it. I kind of yeah. have to see it. So I did. And it's amazing. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I quote the wonderful Leslie Nope from um, uh, Parks and Recreation where she says, men's rights is nothing. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're, we're already quite well represented. Um, so, I, yeah, you know, there's definitely people who who, who are – there's definitely people who would use the word feminism to describe themselves but aren't mm-hmm. um but I, I think it's just sort of ridiculous for for the vast majority of, of people to to take aim at feminism and sort of like go oh poor us because <laughs> there's women in the movie boom freaking who how dare they be capable women bleh I know. It's just so annoying. Ugh, when, sickening. When, I know. When literally something that has no impact or effect on you whatsoever 
has literally no impact on you whatsoever. <laughs> it's important to complain about it. Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, again, when are they going? I, I put it to Marvel. If you're listening, I put it to you. The idea of uh, old um, pepper pots, etc. Let's make that happen. In fact, I'll write. Let's do a comic book set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We'll make that happen. That'll do. I'd read that. Yeah, I'd yep. read that. So I may I may not be a lady, but I'm all capable of writing strong women characters. I may have misquoted Lisa Stansfield there. <laughs> I can't believe you invoked Lisa Stansfield. <laughs> oh, what what has Stokes happened? Stokes finest. Was, she, was it Stokes she was from? I believe so. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, so yeah, Kingsman. I don't know that it's that worth it. Basically, <laughs> is what I'm saying. There's some good bits. How uh, many eye gougings out of five would you give it? Eye gougings. Um, <laughs> well, is five good or is that bad? Is that gratuitous? I get, I get, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a very unusual scale. Yeah, that I'm just I, don't... I don't even know how someone would have five eyes to begin with. So, but, well, how many, how many eye gougings out of two would you give it? One. <laughs> I don't, I'm going to go straight down the middle because I don't know what that means. Well, that that has clarified everything for everyone at home. I would have thought. <laughs> there you go. Then let's move on. <laughs> so it's one eye gouging out of two. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I went to well we both went to uh, exciting symphony based situations uh, recently yes. I'm jealous of yours though so <laughs> I went to the Doctor Who Symphonic Spectacular and um, it was amazing I don't think there's much better in the world than a live orchestra and when it's a live orchestra and you get attacked by a Dalek leg- legitimately did guys it hit me with its plunger they're in it though that's what she said it's <laughs> it was just amazing i uh the the only thing that i won't say ruined it because it wasn't the kid's fault but um i was sat on <laughs> already, already can't wait <laughs> uh, well the the symphony thingy took part it, it wasn't in the symphony hall because it was actually t- the symphony hall wasn't big enough um so they did it at the nia which if anybody's ever been to birmingham is, is quite a big indoor arena what we've got and they'd set it up so that there were a few blocks on the floor with uh, like fairly big aisles in between, and then there was like the uh, the raised seating at the back and round the sides and stuff. And they'd got the orchestra on a big old stage in the middle, and there was a big screen behind them, and they were showing it. They were playing music from uh, it was all the Murray Gold stuff, so from the new series of Doctor Who. Yeah, that one. And they were showing bits of episodes and clips and stuff in the background, and it was all fucking overwhelmingly amazing. And they, but they also had people dressed as Doctor Who villains, like walking down the aisles and poking people with guns and plungers and things. Um, And I was sat in the very back row of the on the floor seating, which is where the people were wandering around scaring people. And there was. a small child, probably about four or five, dressed as the 11th Doctor. He was absolutely fucking adorable. And he was in the front row of the block that we were in. And uh, a, Cyberman, a Cyberman came up to him and he started bawling. <laughs> like, probably like, I don't want to be deleted. Like, properly, like, screaming oh. at his mum, don't let him delete me. I was just like, oh. I felt so bad. But then I was like, also, will he shut up? I'm trying to listen to this music. Because it was stunnelicious like i just stunnelicious yeah i just I, you know like i've i've never had a, a live show aside from an orchestra shows like the hairs on the back of my neck actually stand up more than yeah. once yeah and this was just i mean there's Murray Gold's done some cracking cracking pieces for the newer series is one in particular that got me was um i think it's called song of freedom 
and it's from the series with Donna, I think. Um, oh, yeah. And it's just this like big rousing anthemy thing with like choirs and all sorts of like madness going on. And with all the like images and stuff on the screen, and I was just like, I had a little cry a couple of times. <laughs> I, had a little, I had a little cry during Amy's theme as well, during the little companions medley. Yes. Because it was just lovely. But I I had such a cracking time. And um, Peter Davison was, like, comparing it. And uh, so he kept coming out oh. in between songs and um, having arguments with Daleks and making jokes about how he's better than Colin Baker, <laughs> which was quite... Well, fun. they're not jokes, they're true. <laughs> um, so it was, a, it was a really fun night. And also, it was pretty good because my cousin came with us rather last minute because my sister couldn't come anymore. And uh, she'd never heard yeah. a live orchestra. Um, so she was kind of blown away, which was great because I was like, more people need to be into orchestras. <laughs> and I've just found out that the Symphony Hall are doing a music of Star Wars night in October. So that's happening in my life, yeah. definitely. I'm yeah, oddly enough, there's a, there's a music of Star Trek in November, um, which I'm going to. Ha-ha. I, I, I think I've done the Star Wars one before. I did want to do it. But uh, it's not the London Symphony Orchestra, is it? That's doing it. No, I think um, I think the one that's happening here Somebody is else. the Birmingham Symphony Orchestra. So yeah, I would love to. I mean, the, the Star Wars music is, is particularly the, the original trilogy is is pretty much my favourite sort of piece of you know music. I love the recurring themes and everything. Uh, yeah, no, exa- exactly what you're saying. Though, in terms of hair standing on end, like I would, I would have been interesting. To, I'm not. I'm like a moderate Doctor Who fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that I used to love the old stuff growing up, but I also was sort of quite aware that a lot of it was naff. <laughs> uh, but I kind of loved it because it was naff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, my so when the new series kind of came on, I was I had this weird thing of like, it's not quite shit enough to be the thing that I like, <laughs> and it's not quite good enough to be good. And it, and it kind of got better, uh, and, and now I can see it as its own thing. But yeah, I, I, um, I do really like... There's some episodes I adore of the new stuff. And then there's some just for me are like nothing. Um, so I haven't, I haven't really connected much with the music. There's certain themes, obviously that get used a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have liked to see, I have seen clips from that symphonic thing that looked, it did look amazing. It really was. Just like videoed it. I mean, I, I went to the, um, the Zelda, um, <laughs> symphony of the goddesses. I forget what it's actually called this time. So they've done a few now, uh, which is my third, Zelda concert. I hate your face. That I've been to. You're a bully. <laughs> uh, and it is, I, 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 honestly, I've never, we, we Jess, uh, my wife and I have been to see a number of these. Uh, we've been to see the three three Zelda ones I've done in the UK. Uh, I mean, we've been to see, there's a thing called Video Games Live, where we, which we've gone to, which is like orchestral versions of video game things. But also they do different versions, like rock versions and all sorts. Mm-hmm. And we saw, um, I think it was the Two Towers, um, performed by so the music from the two towers performed by an orchestra whilst the film played on the screen um and and it was great but it was also it was weird because in a lot of ways you're paying attention to the film and the music just became background Mm. and so it didn't feel the same as just having an orchestra place scenes from it um so it was actually strangely unsatisfying for me that with the zelda one because they're orchestrating versions of, of of some just amazing themes that translate incredibly to a full orchestra with a choir and everything. It's some of it just makes me so happy. And so, and Jess, uh, my wife is not, 
she's played some Zelda games. She's not massively into it, but she adores Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And she went to see the Final Fantasy concert a year ago. But even she said the Zelda one is by far the best performance of live music she's ever seen. And I have to say the same. It's it again. The hair standing up. They didn't do my favorite tune, which is Have you played um, Link's Awakening on the Game Boy? No. I, want I love that game. I love it. I love it. I love it. And it's such a sweet game with obviously very basic music because it's only got a little tinny Game Boy chip. But the tune, the main tune, the Ballad of the Windfish, is a beautiful piece of music, even just played on the on the, the Game Boy. And they not the one I just went to the year before that as an encore, they did Ballad of the Windfish, played by full orchestra. And no word of a lie, every hair stood up on my arms and I could feel the sting of tears. I was just like, this is the most beautiful piece of anything I've ever heard. I just can't believe how amazing this is. And when I tell people, oh, it was video games orchestra, they're like, <laughs> yeah, okay. And honestly, because because we had at our wedding, the uh, Jess had an orchestral piece of Final Fantasy play when she walked up the aisle, <laughs> which again, no one recognized the music except for one person. And the music we had whilst we were signing the register was... Um, Kakariko Village theme. <laughs> Do you uh, know, me and Rich were very similar. We, um, for our, when we were signing the register, we had like a medley of songs that we'd chosen. And yeah. uh, what, I can't remember which one. It, I think it might have been the Hyrule Field, like, you know, when you're galloping oh, about uh, from yeah. Ocarina of Time. That came on and me and Rich immediately and instinctively both just started doing that weird little link. You know how he, when he plays the... Uh, ocarina in that game he does that little yeah. bouncy thing from side to side and then into the middle and we were both just signing the register doing this weird little link dance and everyone was laughing and going what's happening why why are they so mental but it was delightful oh, i'm so jealous uh do you know i just I, i'm gonna what's really upsetting is they the only soundtrack that they have ever released it was from the first concert, which isn't even complete. There are about 14 tracks they played at the concert. I think there's about eight on the CD that they released mm. uh, that came with Skyward Sword, and they have not released any of the tracks since. But I heartily recommend, if you go to YouTube and just type in uh, Symphony of the Goddesses or Zelda 25th Anniversary, um, there's some some people have recorded it quite well. Not as well as being there, but it's su- the tunes are just incredible. They translate so well. Mm. And I, I just think Nintendo made such good music that translates into whatever instrument it's played on. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's like nothing else. I, I, again, it comes back. You should absolutely go. I really wanted to go this time, but, um, unfortunately, because when was it happening? Sort of April, Marchy April time. (laughs) Because the the only people I knew who'd really want to go was, uh, my mom who loves the Zelda games uh, and orchestral stuff. And, um, and my sister who just loves video games in general. Um, but my sister had not long had a baby and she was like, can't really afford a trip to London. And (laughs) you know, all that palaver. And I just, I couldn't get anybody to go with me and I'm not confident about knowing my way around London. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So I didn't want to go by myself because I, if that had been in Birmingham, I would have absolutely, have gone by myself and not yeah. even given a shit <laughs> but i have to go next time i can't i can't not go even if i have to keep on someone's floor in london to save myself some money <laughs> like i just need to go yeah i mean i would i'd offer to take you as far back as i was just trying to think whether like my geography being as bad as it was as like <laughs> do we drive past birmingham on the way back to bristol um no we don't um <laughs> i haven't but, got um, a fucking clue mate i am terrible uh, but but yeah, I would have. Uh, I, I'm just I'm just sending you a file. You just need to accept 
which is have you played Wind Waker? I haven't, but I've seen oh, I've okay. seen other people play it. I oh, see this is the thing. I'm a bit of an armchair uh, video yeah. gamer in the sense that I love games, but I'm not good at them, so I have to just watch other people. Play I'm them. with you. Yeah, I, I I do that with some games as well. Jess. Um, has largely experienced Zelda by watching me play it. Mm-hmm. I've, um, I've, I think I've experienced most of my Zelda through watching my mum play them. Okay. <laughs> so cool that your mum plays Zelda games. That's oh, awesome. my nan does too. Um, but she, well, she prefers Mario games. Uh, again, if it's a Nintendo, it's all good. In it though, uh, my nan's addicted to her DS. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. yeah. I have a cool family. That is. Really- I do really need to go though, because like I say, I mean, I just I would go to anything if it's a live orchestra anyway. They yeah. were doing that video games live, or they were supposed to do that in Birmingham recently, and then it got cancelled, and I, I was going to go to that. Uh, so basically, the universe is just thwarting all my plans. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the thing is, it's like half the time I don't find out about it until it's a bit too late. But um, yeah, because we got slightly rubbish seats at, at the last older one. But yeah, I, I, I always keep my eyes peeled just in case. But um, I'd be interested to see the Star Trek one because I'm quite familiar with the, the music from Star Trek. But mm. there's there's certain things I'm quite excited to hear, and then other things I've probably never heard before. So it's a bit of a gamble. Yeah, but, I've yeah. never I've never really watched any Star Trek except the two like newer movies. Ah, uh, never mind. Which is terrible, I know. So, <laughs> so yeah. I've realised that I've been keeping you yapping for like a billion years, but there is just one more thing that I wanted to talk about. Is yeah. is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we start wrapping up? No, other than uh, I, I'll, uh, my work's going to be in the uh, 2000 AD summer special Ooh, lovely. Uh, that's coming out. I don't know exactly when that's coming out, um, but there's must be a clue in the word summer. Um, <laughs> so... At some point in the next three months, I'm assuming that. And uh, no, other than, than Unearth, which is uh, available from um, uh, unearth.bigcartel.com, uh, or if you see me at conventions. Other than that, no, no excitement. And of course, uh, yeah, um, have a have a googling of, of Connor Boyle as well. <laughs> a googling. He's oh, most he's most googleable. <laughs> Love it. He's Connor with one N though. Just to it is yes. Yeah. Just to bamboozle you. It's Boyle without a Q. I uh, once used to keep a book of quotes and they were things that I'd either from films and stuff that I'd come across that I thought were really funny that I would write down for me to look at later and laugh or things that my mates or me had said. And uh, Mm. I I distinctly remember there was one quote that I wrote in there that I must have found hilarious at the time. And then a couple of years later, I looked in and I thought, that's not funny. (laughs) um, I'd (laughs) been working on something at school and turned around to my friend and said, I think I must be really tired because January doesn't have a Q in it and think doesn't have a seven in it <laughs> and I d- <laughs> like look, looking back on it as a quote it's it's entirely pointless uh, but I must have found it really fucking funny at the time because I remembered it and I wrote it down I was like genius this will be obviously you know something people will laugh at heartily in the future <clears throat> anyway and I ju- well I just did so well, yeah. you were right true I am hilarious Sorry. um <laughs> the um <laughs> the only other thing I wanted to mention briefly uh, because I haven't actually watched much of it is have you ever seen Rick and Morty Love Rick and Morty. Oh my god! I've just started watching it with Rich. I've uh, literally just discovered it based on the fact that we caught up with a lot of TV shows that we were watching, like binge watching. So we were like, mm-hmm. "Ooh, I need something else to watch." And because um, it's 
created by uh, Dan Harmon, who's the guy who does Community, and Justin Royland, I think Wayland. his name is. Royland, sorry, yeah. yes, yeah. Um, who I only know uh, as being the voice of Lemon Grab in Adventure Time. <laughs> um, oh, right. So I was completely sold on that um, immediately because of, <laughs> because of those two things. I was like, um, Lemon Grab and Dan Harmon, yes, please. Um, so we started watching it, and I watched an episode the other day called Rixty Minutes. Now, I don't know if you remember which one this is, if you've seen it. I think it's about the sixth or seventh episode in the first series and um essentially they managed to Is that the channel hoppy one yeah hoppy it's one? the one where they get um they get a tv package where they can basically serve yeah, any channel yeah. in any dimension like my favorite episode i was actually crying laughing it's like it's just, it's just so fucking funny <laughs> hi i'm answered my ice johnson <laughs> Uh, yeah. um, no, it's uh, oh, what are the cops call <laughs> baby legs and regular legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's probably crazy at that. There's just this baby legged cop who can't chase after criminals. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. I'm just thinking about it, it's making me crack up too for, for, much. For me, it, it was, uh, <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get hold of my strawberry smiggles. Um, th- that for me was just going, Jesus Christ, I see demons. Um, it's just that hot, the dead eyed children just oh killing my that. God. For me, I was, I was absolutely in sobs and sobs and sobs. I, that, that to me was just. What, but what I love about Rick and Morty is, like, it seems to be. Sorry. <laughs> It's like you kind of. It's actually cleverer than most dramas in terms of yeah, like the things that it does, but it never it never gets in the way of being funny because mm-hmm. you get some shows like Red Dwarf as it went on was they just stopped trying to tell jokes and were just trying to tell science fictiony stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is like the ideas are so ingenious. Have you seen the um, the one that's all a simulation yet? Oh, I don't know. I'm. I think the last one I watched was the one where there were lots of Rick and Mortys, and they were. Oh. I don't know if yeah. I'm that far in yet. That, but oh. that that one was. I just yeah, it's just so completely inventive. I don't think I've seen any TV shows before that have been quite that bananas, no. but also really funny and also really clever. But it's like that that channel hopping one just seems like it's it's random, and then you realise it all comes together at the end when he when he realises how much he loves his wife, you know, through through the medium of seeing the him, you know, how his life went as a success, but realising he, he just the only thing he wanted was his wife. I was just like. Well, I just thought this this episode was kind of like nonsense for twenty <laughs> minutes, but they managed to keep it really funny and also it still had a point. What I loved about it, and it was um, it was brilliant. You know, when they're channel hopping and there's some adverts and things on, some of the adverts, the the voice actors, and I think a lot of them are just Justin Roiland. They can't get through the whole advert without laughing themselves, and I don't, yeah. I don't know why that that was a choice. But honestly, Rich and I were just properly crying at that whole. I want to watch it again, even though I haven't finished watching the rest of the series because that. Yeah. Episode Episode was legitimately the most I've laughed for yonks. Like I was just like, can we watch it again immediately? Which is like, no, come on, let's put a different episode on. I was like, nothing's going to top that one though. <laughs> like I was just, it is really. What uh, I would say is that the simulation one for me was that was my is another favourite. Just yeah, just it, it, it. It's just I don't know. It's I don't want to give anything away because you haven't seen it. But it's just for me. It just there's so many bits of it that just like perfect that. Watch that's another one I've watched quite a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's such a good show and it, it completely came out of nowhere to be brief. We we do have when we were in we I did order the first season on DVD from the States um for Jess for Christmas. So 
Yeah, the season two, I think, comes out this month or next month, I think. Starts June or July. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I think we're... uh... We're going to be binge watching the rest of that on Netflix fairly soon. Is it on Netflix? Yeah, I'm sure that's where we're watching it. Oh, I don't know. Actually, maybe I'm making that up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Rich just puts things on and I just watch them. That is literally what happens in our house. (laughs) Rich just puts a program on and I go, what are we watching? (laughs) Um, Because I I just, yeah, I love it. And also, it's always nice to watch a cartoon and and hear Rob Paulson's voice and go, "Hmm, I've spoken to him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What happened to my testicles, Summer? <laughs> yeah, again, I was a immediate one over. <laughs> oh, I love it. I can't, I cannot sell this show enough. I want everyone to watch it so that it never ends. Is, is that how TV it? works? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> but yes, so that's my massive thumbs up to that. All of my, yeah, all definitely. of my thumbs. I'm with you one million. I'd I give that two eye gouges out of two. Oh, yeah. That's a, a hundred percent. <laughs> That's definitely a, a solid double eye gouge. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened? Uh, <laughs> we've gone bananas. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining me on this show to ramble about all sorts thank of nonsense. Thank you very much. It's, it's been a pleasure to come back and to speak to you again. Hey, we, um, are you doing Thought Bubble this year again? I will be at Thought Bubble, yes. Oh, hooray. I'm going to come over and pounce on you. Pounce. Excellent. I hope you're dressed as an awesome Wolverine again, or something equally awesome. I've got I've got an idea, but it all hinges on one particular item of clothing that I don't think I can get. And if I don't get it, then I can't... Do, this is I'm being really cryptic, and I don't need to be. I want to be Agent Carter, <laughs> but I can't get the hat, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, what, the red hat? Yeah, but without the red hat, I'm just a, like, 40s-style... Woman in a suit. Bird, yeah. Like... <laughs> I, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you if you have a briefcase, you can be Agent Carter from the thing. But yeah, I, yeah. I guess the red hat is a. Can you get a white hat that you can dye? Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm not confident in my skills. Uh, skill, skills of a crafty person. Um, mm. I don't think I have skills of a crafty person. <laughs> that should be the name of your book. <laughs> uh, filled with all my non-existent skills. Um, yeah, that's my plan. But if that if that peters out, I don't really know what another idea is. Because I kind of want to do cosplay again this year, even though last year I chickened out really early and just almost immediately got changed. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I thought you were, I thought it was cool. Anyway, I, uh, I you, you were the only only one of your kind, which is always um, that's true. You know. It's there's a lot of very similar things, but you were the only only lady dressed as old wolves. This is true. It's Lady Wolverine, so I uh, I do keep like pushing the envelope. I do like doing a gender bent costume, and I'm not sure why. Like um, a friend of mine's having an 80s birthday party at the end of this month, uh, and I'm gonna go as Rowdy Roddy Piper in They Live. Amazing. <laughs> because Amazing. because why not? <laughs> I also uh, and and I again I don't know if this. If I'm giving too much, but I, I strangely find now when I, at conventions, obviously there's lots of girls dressed, you know, in outfits that reveal much of their buttocks and, and breasts and things like that. They walk around, and that's nice. However, for some reason, it's the girls dressed as Mario and Luigi <laughs> and stuff that I'm there going, oh yeah, she looks quite nice, doesn't she? Now sometimes there may or may not be a moustache involved, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> About the fact that that it's that they it's the girl it's it's not girls dressed as men, but it's girls dressed traditionally in what would be a male character. For some reason, I find really attractive. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I see that yeah, just girls, you know, bright dungarees and Mario hats, and they're going, 
Yeah, you look you look really good. <laughs> really, you look hot. You might. And my mind's my mind's there going. Yeah, yeah. I think a psychologist would would have a field day in um, <laughs> I in deciphering this. I Think you might be revealing a little bit too much about yourself right now. Um, I I've already <laughs> confessed this to my wife, so it's fine. Um, <sighs> so. It just, is that why she's like always side? Is she always like side glancing at uh, ladies dressed as men's at cons? Like, hmm. no, well, no. <laughs> Jess has a strange. In fact, it'd be, it, you, sh- you should interview Jess because she's got her own. Uh, she's got her first book that she's the author of coming out in August called "I Know Sasquatch." Oh. And um, yeah, she she has strange obsessional things, largely Steve Rogers and um, Winter Soldier. <laughs> things but but jess is the sort of person that will point out to me when she sees a particularly sexy woman um i do the same with, with generous boobage usually she'll go have you seen her look at her oh blimey look at them <laughs> and i'm like i love you so much i really do i need to ask um, you actually while i'm thinking about it jesse's cthulhu activity book right yes i bought this for my husband mm. the word search Ah. <clears throat> the word the word search claims that there is one word that is not in there and you have yeah. to find it out. We cannot find two words. Is that purposeful because you're trying to drive us Cthulhu Barmy, Jess? It, or is that or is that just a mistake somehow? Or are we just question, stupid? <laughs> answering the question would spare you a descent into madness, so I cannot answer the question. Mm, you bully. But yeah, there, there there may be there may be some of the old ones. Uh, messing with your head involved in uh in there i mean it, so. it's adorable but it was driving us crazy i put a photo <laughs> of it up on instagram and i was going someone help me you can only see the words if you're at the mountains of madness <laughs> and then <laughs> oh, so i think it's just off the uh the a41 if in case anyone's interested <laughs> anyway i'm gonna shut up now because it's like 20 past bedtime so <laughs> Also, I am so fucking sweaty. Um, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Um, thank you again for coming on to the show. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute delight. I don't get to talk Likewise. to you enough at cons because you're always really busy and then you don't come to the parties. I know, I know. Because I'm, I'm, I'm boring and, and I end up having to do work immediately afterwards. Um, so it's like, hi, everyone. Ah! And, then I, and then I have no sleep and I work all night and then I come back the next day and then... And then everything's a blur of shapes. <laughs> and, um, and people come and say, hey, do you remember me from two years ago at a convention? And I'm like, I don't even know what my own name is right now. <laughs> I, I don't recognise my hands in front of my yeah. face. That's, uh, uh, so. That sounds much like me after the 24-hour episode when I opened the door to my husband oh, who just yeah. got back from a festival and I went, yeah? As if to say, what do you want and why are you here? And Rich was like, it's me, can I come in? <laughs> <laughs> Super kudos to you for that again, I have to say. I am having crazy ideas about doing it again next year. I don't know why. If you do it again, I will definitely, definitely be involved. <laughs> I'll definitely find a way because, you, as you've seen, I could happily talk for, you know, <laughs> we, we could chat for hours. It really, you know, we could definitely fill a good chunk of a, of a 24-hour show. Well, it's, it's the early hours of Sunday morning that we struggled to fill uh, last yeah. week, which is when we descended into talking about Bigfoot stick and <laughs> sex theme parks. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know how I've blocked that information out, but there, thank you for um, <laughs> maybe yeah. for good reason. If anybody but, yeah. wants to go back and listen to those, uh, popcultureparlor.podbean.com, they're all there. It's uh, It gets a little bit racy after 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> 3am is sex park time. Yeah, sex theme park time, baby. Yeah. Anyway. This is just becoming a ramble fest of madness now. Um, <laughs> if you would like to get in touch with me, you can drop me an email at stacysparlour at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter at stacebobt uh, or buy a shirt, what has my face on it, from spcp.spreadshirt.co.uk. Are people allowed to follow you on Twitter or are you not? Are you frightened of stalking, stalky stalker people? No, no, I'm, uh, the more the merrier. Uh, yeah, I'm on, on Twitter as at... Uh, wordmongerer um, I still so love like that. a word a wordmonger but with an extra er on the end uh, and also unearth is on there as, as at unearth underscore uh, one shot i believe or one uh, yeah so um and yeah come come say hello and um yeah if you've been affected by any of the issues in tonight's podcast <laughs> by any, if you've been affected send me by a message. bigfoot's dick <laughs> yeah. if you've been affected by the eye gouging in this show then heavens to betsy this one's going to be a fun one to edit oh yeah (laughs) if i'm not making your life challenging i'm not doing my job right oh hey i still love you hey listeners see ya bye-bye